0: Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. This will be kind of a late posting. Um, we're yeah, we're,
1: we we've been kind of off this kind of uh, this beginning of the season, you know. I think yeah. like you know, just throughout where we are with, with school right now, um, you know, things should be just getting back to normal. But uh, for the meantime, you guys are gonna have to bear with us for the you know. I think it's done now. Actually, we'll yeah. we'll be much more normal posting our reviews of the games. Um, it's just been. Um, just scheduling conflicts with midterms. There like also that, just but. hasn't
0: been much to say yet, so I'm laying. No, team really, beat it. like
1: you know, it's much easier to talk about a game where you know we're down three-two and like you know maybe there's one or two players that really gouged us that game. Maybe it's depth, maybe it's up front, but when the team's playing this poorly, um, you know, consistently through four games, uh, you've kind of like. Um, you know, you don't want to beat a dead horse here. And I've said that before on this podcast because I said that after the second game and now I'm going to say it after the fourth game. The issues are not being remedied and they're just magnifying. And to lose 5 nothing to the San Jose Sharks, uh, that's just, you know, if if that's not the tip of the iceberg, uh, sorry, the, the base of the iceberg, like, I'm worried it's like just the tip. And like, I, you know, I, I I think like we're getting into that landmark of, of games where it's like, oh, this isn't a rough start. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I
0: forget who we heard on the, uh, you know, local Montreal radio talking about how we'll check in in 10 games and see how they're doing. So we don't have 10 games. We don't, you, you don't have 10 games. That's, that's an eighth of the season. Yeah. It's more, I, and look you know, at that they, stat with
1: Thanksgiving, with American Thanksgiving. Well, that's the you thing. I mean? We just,
0: like, we have an idea of where the team's going, but that then.
1: stat holds a lot. Yeah, well, we, I mean? and we
0: we reference checking in around the eight game mark, not so much as a uh, review in terms of you know predictions, but just to see basically. How fucked we could yeah. be.
1: <laughs> and if you if you guys don't know what style we're talking about here, it's just some most teams that are in a playoff position by around American Thanksgiving is is usually where it ends up being at the end of the game because it's a representative sample size, and most teams have kind of played around enough to know uh, who their competition is. Um, it obviously doesn't work so much for you know like the real real wild card positions yeah um, but it is a good indicator of you know where we're looking at and if this trend continues I mean like one we're not a playoff spot but two it won't be a good playoff spot it'll be like we just squeaked in
0: well that that's and, it um, which we just talked about before of just like we need to just be an established team if we want to win yeah
1: um so going through the stats here I mean that you know whoever watched this game would tell you that the the shots for i mean, just statistically, we you know we had 21 shots on Aiden Hill, and, and they had 20 shots on Jake Allen. This was by no means a good game for Jake Allen. Really out of position, looked like he was kind of missing, like pep in his step. Um, and but again, I'm not going to blame him because if, if we lost, you know, if, if they only scored one goal, we wouldn't have won, right? So we were shut out. Um, you know, really, really good game from from Eric Carlson. Um, you know. Breaking it down line by line, I don't know if you want to say the the goals from San Jose. But, no, it's not. Uh, it's not really important. But breaking it down, I think like you want to start with offense or defense.
0: Pick the worst. Yeah, let, the two. let's just
1: <laughs> let's just start with the offense because I think that's you know clearly the elephant in the room with with production and stuff like that. Um, while I don't, well, clearly nothing's working offensively, I don't think this you know game plan of literally let's uh whip out the old black hat and pick some names out of the uh, out of the top hat is really the way to go for making lines dynamically um you know to see the lines we saw that night uh for certain shifts i don't know you know sometimes there's chemistry that fans aren't aware of but there's some things that even if like Mathieu Perrault has chemistry with cole caulfield like that's not going to lead to anything they can be great buddies on the on, on the plane or in the hotel room, but there's a clear potential and skill difference that's not going to
0: meld. Well, yeah, I'll just I'll jump in there on this for one second. This isn't just to the Montreal Canadiens, but it kind of speaks to hockey as a whole. We've kind of discussed um, developing young players, right? And one thing we've mentioned before is there are certain players who should be developed at the NHL and certain players at the AHL. And typically, what that is come down to play style. So. Very briefly, just to cover we we talked about last year, someone like Ryan Paling, ended up really like succeeding with development in the AHL because he's a, he's a strong kind of athletic player. He's not a skill guy, and. Cole Caulfield on the other hand should not have been the AHL for long which is exactly what happened because he just needs to jump in and get used to the pace of the game. It's not in terms of refining his abilities.
1: So you're saying Perot's an AHL style player?
0: So a little bit. Not so much that he's an AHL style player but the same thing I think happens on a micro level in terms of four lines. You do not develop a Cole Caulfield on the fourth line. You don't develop a, uh, a guy like Suzuki on the fourth line. Like There are certain levels to it. So for me, the big thing is that you can't have a guy like Perot up with Caulfield and Suzuki simply for the fact, like you said, that one, he brings, let's say, an element of physicality, which he, he doesn't. But it, if that was their argument, for example, there's a veteran grit to him. The point is you need to have these guys playing where they should be playing, regardless of the situation of the team. Yeah. So <clears throat> Nick Suzuki he's a playmaking two-way center the idea is like you develop him as a playmaking two-way center you don't all of a sudden turn him into a goal-scoring winger yeah in the same light with Romanov for example he's a physical two-way defenseman you do not turn him into a power play quarterback yeah
1: a, a problem there too that I think we're kind of hovering over is that that issue there is twofold one those two will never succeed together but you know In addition to that, we can have Perot playing a top six position just with the matchups. Yes. Okay, and that's against San Jose. Now, imagine a Boston or a Tampa or a Colorado or a Toronto. Yeah. We can't afford him to be up, and we can't afford Caulfield to play the physical game of a bottom six guy. So there's no world these two will ever play together or should play together, but we found a way. Yeah. Going further into that, I don't know what is going on with, like, you know, our identity as a team, but more than that, just our bursty offense that's just evaporated like yeah. you know it was it was almost like a it was kind of like our axe but it was also our kryptonite last year where we had this very very bursty offense that you know if we came up against a team that had kind of like a a brick wall defense sort of like the defensive core we have so like something like calgary we saw it a lot last year that would really really be the kryptonite to our burst offense because they would just hold us at the blue line yeah but it worked. Like, we got goals through, and we managed to find ways well, we to, to dump and chase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this year, it's like we're, we're a burst team, but we're not playing a burst offense. And, like, what you I, just get the worst of both worlds. What
0: I think happened is last year, we had almost, like, identity lines. So we had a line that was a defensive shutdown line. We had a line that was a youth and scoring line. We had, And all of a sudden... With these line changes, you can see that like we're not doing that. We have like balanced lines all of a sudden again, and it doesn't really work for our play mm-hmm. style. If you can put out a shutdown line and basically tell Suzuki, Caulfield, and Foley when you get out there, just offense, offense, yeah. offense, that's kind of how that works, because... It doesn't work. Yeah, look if, at the
1: Deno Leckonen. Well,
0: that's exactly what I'm I'm referring to in the same sense of like you can't have the same kind of memo for Suzuki and Caulfield than you do for Evans and uh, Lekinen. Mm-hmm. The idea is like they should be going out there with a purpose, not just a general. Yeah, it go should play be a hockey cutter. It's lazy. Know? It's lazy coaching. It's, it's lazy, and it's also I think um, they're they're kind of falling into that. We need to kind of uh, make everyone's dollars per minute on the ice more feasible yeah. because. We talked about this, you know, over the preseason. We signed a lot of wingers to money that, while it's it's understandable, now all of a sudden, when Brendan Gallagher is in your bottom six, that's a $6.5 million player in your bottom six. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's going to be on the first line.
1: Yeah. Now, look, I'm not going to harp on too many players because literally no one played well. The only silver lining or bright light that I saw last game was Mike Hoffman. Honest to God, like... I know it was his first game playing regular season or just in general of us watching. And like, I, I, I saw him every time he's on the ice and I don't think that would have changed if he had played there, the other, the other four games, just cause, uh, other three games, cause when he was on the ice, he was shooting. I think he had four or five shots. So that's like, you know, a significant proportion of our team's total shots. I think we had 21 shots. He had four or five, um, and they were good shots, high danger chances, but, The remainder of of our forward core was, like, Cole Caulfield, I think, had one or two shots, and they were bad. Um, Not singling out Druin because he's had a good start to the season, but, you know, really not a good game for Jonathan Druin, particularly defensively, and and giving up really bad turnovers. A lot of that, like, lazy stuff that we kind of saw a lot in the last few years of, like, why would you do that? Why aren't you hustling back? Um, You know, kind of, like, IQ stuff of, like, it's annoying because he's a high IQ player. Like, why are you doing that? That's a low IQ thing to do. And then even depth wise, it's like, we have a Perot line. That's just supposed to, you know, essentially mock um, or mirror like our Perry line last year in terms of like just, you know, high forecheck, keep it in their zone. Yeah, like a cycle game that they and can kind we of. We have just a line that's th- with with uh, that line with that style that's not hitting anyone. Like no. there's no hitting. Like it's like I don't know what's going on there. And then you have Eric Carlson literally skate through the entire team like four times. Yeah. And like no one's hitting him. I'm like hit the guy. He's five eleven
0: well, yeah. and brutally injured. Now, all like the time. we're in,
1: I think we're also in that limbo because we have a fifty percent uh, penalty kill yeah. where. It's clear that some players feel like they have a leash on them because they don't want to be the guy that takes the penalty. Clearly, it's not Ben <laughs> yeah. Okay, But I could tell like David Savard big time held back so many hits for fear of roughing penalties because if I recall properly, there was at least three roughing penalties called uh, we- a weirdly physical game like after the whistle against San Jose. Um, so I- he was definitely held back. Um, Robinov had another absolutely terrible game, like just brutal um, the only shining light defensively was really Kulak and Petrie. Like, they were both okay that game. Um, you know, and then goaltending, I mean, I don't want to, you know, harp on Allen too much, but, uh, you know, 800 really not good goals on him. Like, they, San Jose really didn't deserve those, those goals. Um, but again, if they scored one time, we were still would have lost. So, I'm not I'll really going to rip on goaltending if, like, you know, we're not doing anything at the other end of the ice.
0: Yeah, I think going into the game against Carolina, we needed to see a big overhaul of uh, the lines clearly didn't work offense or defense-wise. Um, I really hope they give Allen the start, too, because... We can't afford to lose. We, we, yeah, we can't afford to lose. It. And also on top of it, this is going to be an emotional game. You got Kotkaniemi yeah. coming back. Um, as yeah, we I'm mentioned uh, last podcast, Rob and I are going to be at that game. So touching on uh, late posting, the next game might be the last late one for a little yeah. while. But um, but if you, if you guys have been following news, Kotkaniemi, uh, you know, coming
1: into Montreal, we know he's an emotional player. He tends to play well in situations where, um, you know, the spotlight's on him. Like, think of, you know, being benched back. early yeah. in the playoffs, coming back and scoring. So I think Caroline is kind of rolling with that sort of mentality, and they're playing on the first line with Terravine and Anaho. So that's going to be, you know, really interesting to see. We're going to see a lot of Jesperi Kotkaniemi tonight, and hopefully... What that does is it lights a fire, particularly under Suzuki and Caulfield, uh, Romanov too, uh, to just get something offensively going, and for Romanov to really lock it down defensively. Because I'm I'm really sick of a two-way defenseman who is, you know, not theoretically but practically very little offensive upside. Yeah. Uh, who makes bad defensive decisions? It's like, well, what two? Like what? Yeah, in what ways are you a two way? Yeah, exactly.
0: Two way in the sense that he's not good at either. It's like
1: like the Victor Mete thing. It's like, yeah, he's an offensive defenseman that puts up no points. It's like, what's the point? Yeah, it's like you want to be
0: a two way defenseman in that you're useful on both ends of the ice, not useless. Yeah, exactly. So So we'll see. I honestly think, you know, just by the. Alan has to be starting. And just, just by the, like, chances of how bad the season has started we have to win tonight i yeah, i tonight have a, feel a and we're gonna be there so they know okay <laughs> so um, we're we're alan's just gonna confirmed. go for it alan's confirmed so yeah. yeah i mean again we're we're gonna do our best to bring some mojo to the bell center but uh, they gotta bring it too
1: yeah they they really gotta you know bring something tonight because um you know as it stands um, we're not shooting very much. Okay, Carolina right now is averaging thirty-seven shots per game. Wow. Okay, and to make you want to throw up, that's seventh in the NHL.
0: Oh my God! What okay. are we shooting? 23? We're shooting
1: twenty-nine. Okay, and that's tied for twenty-four. Jesus. Um, our power play percentage is still zero. Yeah, we need okay? to score some. So power that's play worse goals. than the league. Um, our shooting percentage is 2%. And just mind Carolina's you guys. is 13.
0: And, and just mind you guys, like we said last time too, if Kinemi scores a goal, just somebody watch out. I'll be the one jumping the ice with my shirt on. Yeah, f- you guys can
1: finally put faces to the names. You'll yeah. be able to see us on TV. You'll find me, um, you know, right in Rob Brindamore's face <laughs> and, uh, potentially, um, running across the the uh, Habs logo on center
0: ice. Yeah, so. I'm gonna throw my full weight into Freddie Anderson's knee. <laughs> but anyway, we should get towards the game actually. So it's uh, got a little off of the five nothing loss, but there, there was nothing to <laughs> nothing say. Nothing to say, So honestly. Um, hopefully we have more to say on the next one. But we will catch you guys after the Carolina game. Thank you for listening to the Habs puck drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at HabsPuckDrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at HabsPuckDrop. We'll see you next time.